In part two of this draft series, we're going to be exploring the running backs of the 2022 draft class. In part one, we took a look at the quarterbacks and we realized that there are just a lot of mysteries when it comes to that position. But for running backs in this class, oh boy, we have a lot of good options here coming into the league. In today's episode, I'm going to explore my top five running backs for the 2022 draft class. And if your team is running back hungry, I think you had a lot of great options in this draft. My name is Abhigupta, and you can find me on Twitter at RealAbhigupta. Thanks for joining the breakout today. Let's dive right in. Now here at the breakout, we like to use metrics in conjunction with film so that we get a more complete picture on the players that we're evaluating. Here are some of the metrics that I like to use. First, age. Age matters a lot because when you're looking at running backs and their short shelf lives in the NFL, the ones that come in younger are generally going to play longer. So when you look at guys like Najee Harris, for instance, he is entering age 23 into his rookie season, which means that even though he's killing it right now, he probably only has four to five years until we really see him taper off. In comparison with, say, Javante Williams, who's 21, we're going to see him play a lot longer. Same thing with Jonathan Taylor, who entered the NFL at age 20. Number two, dominator rating. Now you might have heard of this metric before, but dominator rating is in essence trying to understand how much of the offense does a player command. And specifically for running backs, dominator rating is the percent of the rushing and receiving yards of an offense that they command. Generally speaking, if you see this as a higher number in college, that means that they're a pretty dominant player. If you see that as lower, either that means that they're not talented enough, or that means that the scheme that they're in just doesn't accommodate their skill set. Number three, backfield dominator rating. Now this is just an extension of the previous one, but in essence this tells us how much of the overall backfield does that player dominate. Now, if you take a look at, you know, running back by committee, right, guys who get equal numbers of snaps, that shows you that no one player is really dominating that backfield. And that is a signal to us that in college, if you cannot dominate your own backfield, you might have some limitations. And it's something to keep into consideration when we take a look at how they will project to the NFL. Number four, rush yards over expected per attempt. Now this one is a bit of a mouthful, but just stick with me here. Rush yards over expected is based on a machine learning model that tells us based on a running back's acceleration, direction, and how the defensive players are aligned, how many yards do we expect that player to get? For example, if a player is going to run the ball up the middle and is starting at 20 miles an hour, we might expect them to gain 2.2 yards on that rush. If that player ends up receiving two yards, they rushed for less yards than we expected them to. If they gain 10 yards, that means that they overperformed by 7.8 yards. Overall, this can help us understand how much better is the player over the average player in the NFL. And this can ultimately tell us if the player is going to be, you know, really, really good um, and, and is really efficient. Number five, yards per team play. Now, what this effectively tells us is a measure of volume and efficiency. If I give you the ball 20 times in the game, you are more likely to hit 100 yards total rushing in the game as opposed to if you had only 10 rushes. And that's really, really important here because when you take a look, again, I'm picking on Najee here, Najee has a lot of volume in that Steelers offense. And so what that means is that he has more of an opportunity to hit 100 plus receiving yards, 100 plus rushing yards, compared to players who say may not have as many attempts. 
And when we look at players in college, we want to see not just volume, but we also want to see efficiency. Can you do a lot every single time that you touch the ball? With that being said, let's jump right into our honorable mentions. My first honorable mention is CJ Verdell, running back from Oregon. Now, I've had my eyes on CJ Verdell for quite some time, mainly because he's been playing college ball for quite some time. He's older, you know, he's 22 years old, and this season, you know, he was the lead back for the Oregon Ducks until October, uh, where he, you know, suffered an injury and was out for the rest of the season. He's been at Oregon for four years, and, you know, he's had games where he's popped, but he's an extremely inconsistent player. He's very explosive, and you can see him put up 200 plus yards, multiple touchdowns. Uh, take, for instance, the game this year uh, where Oregon beat Ohio State at Ohio State. But then the next week, he put up 40 rushing yards. Uh, with a player like CJ Verdell, you really want to see that explosiveness that he has and that capability to really break off for, you know, 200 plus yards. But he just isn't consistent enough for you to feel comfortable drafting him really high. Mix in his injuries and really how I project this player to be is he needs to end up in the right scenario where he can flourish and really leverage this explosive playability in order to reach his maximum potential. The next honorable mention that I'd like to bring up is Zach Charbonnet, running back for UCLA. Charbonnet is an interesting guy. He, you know, has received a lot of hype coming into this season. And, you know, he's a patient runner. He's a player who can find cutback lanes. Um, you know, because he's patient, he's able to make uh, space for himself. He's able to find the creases, uh, gain yardage where other backs can't. He has really soft hands, so he's a really good checkdown option for any quarterback that is really looking for a safety valve, um, and that really allows him to be a player who can be on the field uh, on multiple types of scenarios, passing downs, all of that sort of thing. He's not a great route runner necessarily, um, but because he has soft hands, he can be a last minute option for any quarterback. You're just like not very likely to see plays that are designed specifically for him in the passing game. Now, some stats that I'd like to share about him uh, that I find pretty interesting are the fact that he is kind of middle in the country uh, in terms of dominator rating. Uh, he accounts for 23.7% of the total offensive production at UCLA, and he only has a 37.1% dominator rating in his own backfield. Uh, what that signals to me is that he is a player who, you know, he can produce, but he hasn't been able to really command his own backfield, um, splitting, you know, snaps with other players. and that is, you know, something that really makes me reserved and why I don't really feel comfortable bringing him into my top five list because he's a player who has shown potential. Um, you know, he he has a 9.8% reception share and he's had a reception in all but two games this season. Uh, but at the end of the day, uh, if he cannot command the offense like we've seen um, other backs do, um, that really tells me that there's probably a limitation to his game. From the scouting reports that I've read, um, um, he's a single speed runner. Um, what that means is that he is not really able to hit the second level when it comes to finding rushing lanes. And so that kind of limits his ability in the receiving game to being, you know, a check down back who's able to get about five yards per reception. And when he does run the ball, he's not going to gash you for a lot of yards. He's really just going to be that guy who's there to get you kind of a last second option in the receiving game. The other consideration is that he received a lot of volume at UCLA. There are many games where he received 20 plus touches, um, but he isn't really an efficient runner of the ball. And so what that also tells me is that that coaching staff says, hey, even if we give you the ball, you're not necessarily gonna do a lot with it. So we're better off trying to get that ball into the hands of our receivers um, who are gonna be able to do a lot more with it. And this brings me to my top five. 
These running backs are players who I think have a lot of potential to be starting backs in the NFL. Some of the players are kind of circumstantial. They need to end up in the right situation. Some of the players, we just haven't seen enough from them in the college game. Um, and then other players, they have just straight up dominated. And so you'll find a lot of options for your own team uh, in my top five. So let's go with number five, Tyler Beatty running back of the Mizzou Tigers. Now Tyler Beatty has had a really good season this year. So far he's had 1400 rush yards, 13 touchdowns, 53 receptions, 335 receiving yards. Out of all the running backs from the 2022 class, he would have the highest points per reception score in fantasy. Uh, what that tells me is that he is a running back who is really electric in the pass catching game. Uh, think a la Christian McCaffrey. The stats really do back that up. He has a 20.2% reception share, which which means that he, ca he, he has one-fifth of the total receptions on that offense. He has a 42.1% dominator rating, so he accounts for 42% of his entire offensive production. He has a 79.7% backfield dominator rating, so that tells me that he is pretty much the sole power feature back uh, for the Mizzou Tigers, uh, accounting for 80% of all of the offensive production from that backfield. And he has a 2.22 yards per team play, which tells me that he is extremely efficient. He Every time he gets the ball, he is getting a lot of yardage, and that is a really, really great thing to see. Based on the scouting reports, what I see about this player is that he's a highly utilized, dominant and efficient back based on all of the statistics that he's put up. Um, he's played in a pro style offense in Columbia, Missouri. I think what I really like about this player is that he doesn't have a lot of wear and tear, which could be a con, but again, if we're going to use Najee as the kind of benchmark here, he doesn't have a lot of wear and tear because he hasn't been the feature back until this year. And so that means he's going to be coming into the NFL with fresher legs than a lot of other players. Beatty also has a lot of burst as a runner. And so what that tells me is that he can capitalize on, you know, these gaps the same way that I was talking about with Charbonnet, um, but he is able to actually capitalize on that and gain chunk yards. And because he's effective in space, and because he's able to create his own space, that means that given his 80% backfield dominator rating and his 42% overall dominator rating, this player is going to have a lot of potential to really make an impact in the NFL. He's a playmaker. You get the ball into his hands, and that means that this guy is going to do something with it. My hesitations around him are mainly that he isn't a power runner. He's still a kind of smaller guy for his position. And so what that means is that, you know, if he needs to be in pass protection, for instance, he's going to struggle against NFL linebackers at his current size. He also is, uh, you know, someone who in the short yardage situations, third and one, fourth and one, I need to bull you over. He just doesn't have that skill set. And um, that, again, provides one aspect of his game where he will be a limitation. Uh, you're not really going to expect him to bull guys over. And, you know, if you take like Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, for instance, he's not the guy that the Chiefs really want to be giving the ball on these short yardage plays. The last thing is that this guy has not been a feature back in his entire career up until now. The only real hesitation here is that most backs have multiple years of being the feature back before they enter the NFL. And this guy has only had this year. Um, now, granted, this year he's done really, really well for himself, but I would like to see a player um, have more years under their belt um, before I can really say that, hey, this guy is like the bona fide number one guy, uh, unlike, you know, some of the other guys who are on my list who have been producing at really, really high clips for a much longer period of time. 
I can see him being really successful in schemes where he is allowed to utilize all of his skill sets, uh, where he's not really expected to be a power back. Um, I like to think about schemes where he, you know, might he might he might fit into a place like San Francisco, honestly, uh, where he can be a pass catching back, where he can be an elusive back, uh, and he isn't really expected to um, work outside of the scheme. Instead, the scheme works for him. Number four, Kyron Williams running back for Notre Dame. Kyron Williams has had 900 rushing yards so far in 10 touchdowns, alongside 36 receptions, 300 receiving yards, and 3 touchdowns. Now what I like about Kyron Williams is how efficient and dominating he is in his own team. He has a 17.5% reception share, a 37.3% dominator rating, and a 72.6% backfield dominator rating. What all of that tells us is that he commands the ball, the team wants to give him the ball, and he is somewhere in the top part of the country, 95th percentile for reception share, 93rd percentile for dominator rating, and 81st percentile for backfield dominator rating. He is ultimately an elite pass catching back. He's very, very efficient, and pass catching is his spike trait. You might have heard me refer to the spike trait concept before, but really speaking, I like players who are well-rounded, but have one thing that they do really, really well at. Um, because that is something that they can rely on when it comes to crunch time uh, or a team can rely on when you know they need to you know get a play to get the offense moving. For this guy, it's pass catching, and it's really evident by the stats that he has. Now, what that also signals to us is that since he's a pass catching back, he's going to be out on the field a lot more frequently than players who can't receive. And generally, you'll hear this concept of like third down back. What exactly does that mean? Generally on third down, uh, players either need to get short yardage or they are going to need to catch the ball because it's generally a passing down. If you're a player who can't receive the ball, a la, I don't know, Adrian Peterson was an example that for many years of his career, uh, he is really going to have one third less opportunities to make an impact because in first, second, and third down, if you take away third down, now you have one third less opportunities to make an impact. When players can catch the ball, you now open up one more down uh, effectively for that player to make an impact on that team. The, the thing that puts Kyron Williams above Tyler Beatty for me is that this guy, Kyron Williams, is really good at pass protection, which again means that if he can catch the ball, if he can block, and if he can run the ball, that means that he has utility in every facet of the game, no matter what the offense wants to do, which means he will be out on the field. I think that he is also a player who has, you know, a lot of vision, a lot of anticipation, and that means that he will find gaps and he will create space when there isn't any. And the, and the last thing I'd like to really highlight about this guy is that, you know, he, he's had a journey up until now, um, and Notre Dame has really rewarded him for it. He has at least 11 carries every single game this season. The problem is that he's only eclipsed 100 yards twice. Um, and so, you know, with that volume, you know, I don't know exactly what he's able to do, but really this is where like EPA comes into, um, you know, a lot of help here. EPA, expected point added helps us understand what is the like utility of that player are they able to get you yards on downs that matter or are they getting a lot of garbage time yards uh, an example that i go to pretty frequently is if you get a three yard run on third and three that's a really high utility play if you get a three yard rush on third and ten who cares that doesn't matter that doesn't change the facet of the game at all 
And so with Kyron Williams, uh, I'd love to do a little bit more analysis in future videos, looking at exactly what those 100 yards mean. Were they uh, 11 carries that resulted in short yardage first down conversions? Or were they kind of plays that were garbage time? All of these things said, it's, it's a bit unclear to me where exactly I need to rank him regarding this. And it is something of a question mark that other guys on this list don't have. And so that's why he's number four for me. The other thing is that when you look at this guy's play, um, he's very aggressive, uh, but he's pretty small. And so that means that when we reach those moments where he needs to truck a defender in space, um, he can't do that. He kind of hits a wall. He's what they call a tweener, um, someone who is kind of not big enough to be uh, a power back, but he's not small enough to be an elusive back. And so he's kind of in no man's land with his size and his skill sets. And given that, you know, I, I like to kind of equate him to a player kind of like a James White in New England, where he is um, going to be successful in a situation where he's expected to be a pass catching back as a predominant function. Um, a, a player who gets the ball in space and then is able to do something with it. Given all that stuff, I think Kyron Williams is a great find in this draft. Uh, I'm not certain that he'll go in the first round. I could see him going to the early to mid second round, say like Javante Williams did uh, to Denver uh, this season. And now we enter the top three. Now I'd like to consider all top three guys on my list to be players who are running back ones. And each of them have their own skill sets that really will allow them to pop in the NFL. It's really just a question of what is your taste? What's your flavor? Number three might be a bit controversial, um, especially amongst the film guys, uh, but let me provide my reasoning. Number three, Isaiah Spiller. Now, Isaiah Spiller has been a darling, uh, has been called the running back one for quite some time in the 2022 draft class. Um, when last year people were saying this would be a weak draft class, they found him to be like the only player that would, you know, really be the star coming out of this draft class. You know, this season he's had 914 rush yards, five touchdowns, 25 receptions, 200 receiving yards. Um, he he kind of, you know, is all over the board um, with his production, which is really great to see. Um, he has a 14.2% receiving share, uh, he has a 25.9% dominator rating, he has a 48.4% backfield dominator rating. When I look at the stats, this guy is not really wowing me, but it's the scouting reports that really make him uh, someone that the film guys just absolutely love. He, he runs with his feet. Um, now, that, that sounds pretty intuitive, but some runners run with their eyes, where it's all about vision. Uh, some runners run with their shoulders because they truck people. Um, some runners run with their feet, where they are all about the footwork. And the footwork is what allows them to generate burst, generate change of direction, uh, generate space uh, when it doesn't exist, and to you know elude defenders uh, in open space as well. And he is someone who has incredible footwork. He has very quick instincts. When he decides that he's gonna go, he goes. When he decides that he needs to elude or shift um, the direction that he's going, uh, he's very quick to do that. And he's very decisive. You don't see him as a player who, you know, kind of mulls over what he's gonna do. He surveys, he surveys, he surveys, and then boom, he makes his move. Um, and the final thing is that when he makes his move, he is a damn aggressive finisher. This guy like freaking trucks people, right? If I'm a film guy, if I freaking love seeing that. He, here's the thing for me. He doesn't have the stats that really tell me that he is better than the top two guys on my list. Specifically, let's come back to the stats. 25.9% dominator rating. 
That's fine, he accounts for one-fourth of his uh, total offensive production, uh, but that's 63rd percentile, that's somewhere in the middle of the country. He doesn't even account for 50% of his entire backfield production, that kind of scares me. He has a negative rush yards over expected per attempt, um, negative 0.21 yards, which is 36th percentile, i.e. he's below average. 50th percentile is average, uh, above 50th percentile is above average, and he's 36th percentile, so he, can, he doesn't even crack average. And then he has 1.67 yards per team uh, team play, which is 73rd percentile. Again, above average, but for an elite guy, that's not really efficient. So when I look at this guy, he has all of the skill sets. He has all of the, you know, the, the abilities. He has the footwork. He has the finishing. He has, you know, all of the things that I want to see as a scout. But when it comes to the stats, I don't have that second level of information to really feel comfortable. You know, it's kind of like when you're applying to college, like, you know, if you have good grades, that's really cool. But like, what are your SAT scores? What are your ACT scores? What extracurriculars were you part of? Uh, being good in just one, you know, might be enough to get you into a college, but you would feel a lot more comfortable as a college admitting someone who has two or even all three of those. Isaiah Spiller is that player for me where he has all of the scouting, you know, um, highlights. He has... Um, all of the skill sets that I would want from a running back, but it just hasn't translated to his game. He also doesn't have the next level of speed that I would hope that a player like him would have, and I don't really know whether players can develop speed as they, you know, get older. He is 20 years old, so that means he still has room and time to develop, but as of right now, his lack of speed prevents him from capitalizing in open space. The other thing is that he has eight total fumbles in his career, which is a pretty high damn number. Uh, ball security is a big, big, big problem, and if you can't control or keep the ball safe, teams just aren't going to trust you with the ball as frequently as you like. The, the byline for Isaiah Spiller is that like Devonta Smith last year from Alabama, I can see Isaiah Spiller being the guy who film and analytics people have a, as a massive debate topic in the 2022 draft. He has all of the things that you want to see on film. He doesn't have the stats. I am someone who likes to take a little bit of this and a little bit of that. Um, I have not, if I was just looking at the stats, he would probably be at the back end of my five or in the honorable mentions. Um, but right now, um, when I consider just how high he is in terms of the, the scouting results, he has to be up into the top three for me. The stats are what prevent him from being my top running back in this class. And I'd love to revisit this in you know the months into draft season and kind of see how that evolves and how scouting reports and analytics help us better understand maybe why he hasn't performed that well. My number two pick is going to be pretty controversial for some people because he has been in the Heisman talk uh, for a big part of the season. He's shown out on national television and he's gashed a lot of great collegiate defenses. However, for me, there's just one aspect of his game that's missing. Number two, Kenneth Walker running back for Michigan State. Now, Kenny Walker is a 21-year-old back uh, for the Spartans who has 1,500 rushing yards and 17 touchdowns in a defensive Big Ten league. Um, he is someone who transferred to Michigan State in 2020 from Wake Forest. And from the visuals, uh, from the film and from the scouting, he's like an absolutely brutal runner. He is powerful. He has burst. He has acceleration. He has size. He's like, he's a man's man of a running back. 
If you want a guy who's going to truck dudes, who's going to just mess up defenders, Kenny Walker has got the attitude, he's got the skill, he's got the size, he's got everything you'd want. And that has translated on the field. This guy is a freaking superstar in the making. And I love myself Kenny Walker. He's just a guy who just doesn't stop producing. But here is where I find him to be slightly limited compared to my number one choice. Kenny Walker has a 6.7% reception share, which is a bit low. He is below average at 44th percentile. That really speaks to how dominating he has been in terms of just his rushing skill. Um, a 40.8% dominator rating on a Big Ten team, that's 98th percentile. Um, he has a 57.5% backfield dominator rating, um, and he's like so, so, so efficient. 2.37 yards per team play, uh, which is 96th percentile, and he has 0.53 rush yards over expected per attempt, which is 85th percentile. So what all this tells me is that when you get the ball into this guy's hands, he's going to be efficient, he's going to get you yards, and he's going to say, give me more, feed me, feed Zeke kind of vibes, you know? Um, and I love that. This guy, like every time I watch him, I get so energized. Here is the limitation. He had six receptions in 2020. So in 2021, I was really hoping to see that grow a whole bunch. And for what it's worth, it doubled. He has 12 receptions in 2021, but that's like nothing, man. That like in the scheme of things, 12 receptions, uh, when you're producing 1500 rushing yards and you have a 40.8% dominator rating, that just shows me that you have a limited upside to what you can do for your team on every single down. For fantasy players, that means that he is a running back who has limited upside in PPR given his current uh, player profile. He is poor at pass protection, which usually translates, as we've talked about, to lower third down usage um, and again limits his upside. If he can't block and he doesn't really receive, that means that someone else is going to be playing on third down uh, for, for the running back position. And that is something that limits how much this guy can produce. I would say that this guy is going to be really successful if he ends up in a traditional rushing offense think like what pete carroll wants to run in seattle but hasn't been able to and you know maybe if they move on from russ this year then they'll they'll be able to draft uh, draft kenny walker um and and really run that offense that pete carroll has always wanted but i could also see him being really successful in a kyle shanahan type offense where he's just expected to run 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 fit the scheme go we'll design the stuff for you or he could be really augmented in buffalo where like okay we got this prolific passing game um, we don't really need you to be a pass catcher for us. On those downs where Zach Moss and Devin Singletary are kind of like eh players, he could be a massive upgrade for that offense and really allow them to take their running game to the next level while not expecting him to do anything in the passing game because you've got Stefan Diggs, um, you got Emmanuel Sanders, you got Cole Beasley, you've got Gabe Davis, you know, you got all these players who are going to take over that load and so you don't have to consider that. All things said, I want to make this clear. Kenny Walker is going to be a beast in the NFL. I already love this guy, but he is not going to have the kind of upside that you want to see um, from a back. And so I think that if you can put him into a traditional rushing offense, he is going to be really, really great. Um, and maybe he'll be able to develop his passing skill sets. But if the expectation is that he's also going to be catching passes and being a massive part of the offense in that capacity, I think he's pretty limited. And that brings me to my top running back for the 2022 draft class as of November 2021. And that is Brees Hall, running back for Iowa State. 
Now, the Cyclones running back has been electric for several years. Uh, he's a 20-year-old running back who has a 13.2% reception share, a 42.5% dominator rating, uh, an 80.4% backfield dominator rating, um, and is highly efficient with the uh, highest yards per team play efficiency of all the backs in 2022. So once this guy gets the ball, he is going to really do something with it every single time that he has it. What I love about Brees Hall too is that he started in his freshman year. Um, he was getting playing time as a freshman and he started seven games his freshman year. Um, last year when he was a sophomore, he had 100 more rushing yards than Najee Harris um, in one last game. That means that he led the nation in rushing as a sophomore in less games than his competitors. This guy is an efficient freak. This guy is dominant. This guy makes me super, super hyped to watch the game. He has had a touchdown in every single game this season. Uh, many of the games he's had multiple touchdowns and he's an absolutely powerful runner. He has speed, he has size, he has natural elusiveness, which means that he is able to create space for himself like no other back in this class. And I absolutely love that because that means that this guy is a jack of all trades. He can truck you, he can absolutely wreck you, he can make space, he can freaking elude you, he can do everything in essence. What I love the most about Brees Hall is his vision. He's a guy who's always keeping his eyes downfield. He's not necessarily looking at the first level of defenders, he can see the second level extremely well. And what that means for Brees Hall is that with that vision, he's able to lull defenders over to where he's at before using his quick acceleration and change of direction in order to gain space, capitalize on that green space in front of him, and ultimately gain yards that other backs can't do in this draft class. The place where I think Brees Hall has space to improve as a player is that, you know, he is a player who is like a B plus to A minus everything right and we've talked about this concept of a spike player a player who has one particular area where he's able to really excel for Kenny Walker it was rushing for Kyron Williams it was receiving for Tyler Beatty it was simply being able to create space and to be able to dominate a backfield um, and for Brees Hall he's able to do everything but he's not able to do any one thing particularly better than absolutely everybody else in the draft class. And I think that this is something that can be developed because if you've got natural raw talent in all of these areas, if he goes to a pass catching you know, situation, that skill set can be developed. If he goes to a place where he's expected to be a bell cow, he might be able to really develop his you know, physical traits uh, in order to be a more physical back. If he needs to go to a place where he needs to generate space and be able to fit you know, zones running schemes he might be a really good running back uh, and develop those types of skill sets and so that's what I actually really like I'm actually taking this con that we have about Brees Hall and making it a pro this guy is something that you can morph into an elite back in whatever scenario you want him to be his value also comes from all of the stuff that he does before first contact. He's, again, with that vision, able to find the lanes, he's able to evade defenders, uh, and he's able to create uh, a lot of space with a short area agility. But once he makes contact, he does struggle to extend runs. Um, he can do it right now, but not at an extremely elite level. And so that's where I think that for Brees Hall, based on how much he has dominated the Cyclones offense for two years, the fact that he's started as a freshman and the fact that he has not really slowed down he's only improved every single year 
I find him to be the back that is the most consistent. I find him to be the back that has the most transferable skills to the NFL. And I honestly feel like he is the top back where he has the most number of scenarios that he could end up in and be really, really successful. There's so many teams that are going to need running backs next year. There are so many teams that might want to develop uh, their, their schemes so that they can support their run, uh, their young quarterbacks um, and have a malleable asset over, you know, next to them in the backfield and really allow that quarterback to flourish. And I think that Brees Hall is that guy. He is my running back one for the 2022 draft class. So that brings us to the conclusion of this review of the running backs of the 2022 draft class. As you can see, this draft class has a lot of skilled players um, in comparison to the quarterbacks of the 2022 draft class. We know what these players are, and we can actually project what they will be coming into the NFL and what types of scenarios they're going to be really successful in. I hope that you found this analysis interesting. I hope you found this analysis helpful. And I hope that if you have any questions, you'll put them in the comments down below, because ultimately this is a channel that aims to improve your understanding, your process, and I hope to be the person that can help you do that. If you like this video, I would love if you could like and subscribe to our channel. It'll really signal to me that this work that we're doing is helpful to you. And with that being said, thanks for watching today. I'm your host, Abhigupta. Catch me on Twitter at RealAbhigupta. And let's hit that music.